Well, we now have our answer as to uh, who the quietest commit of the 2024 class is. Because during the middle of all that madness on Saturday where, well, there was a lot of bad in Lawrence, right? At 3.06 p.m., Reggie Powers, the edit drops, he commits to OU. Former Michigan State commit, he decommits, takes a visit to Norman for the UCF game. And during the middle of that football game, Reggie Powers commits to OU on Saturday. Not not a lot not a lot of fanfare. That's why we call it the uh, quietest commit of the 2024 class thus far for OU Parker because uh glad Reggie Powers is in the class and I'm sure the text line agrees but probably could have picked a better time and a better day uh to to, to uh, commit to OU rather than Saturday. Could have picked a better time. That was just bizarre, man. He wanted to get a like, lot more reaction. And he's a good player too. Like this is this is a very valuable addition to the class for Oklahoma. And in the moment, harsh as it is to say, nobody really cared. No. Because everybody was wrapped up in the debacle that was a 38-33 to road loss to Kansas on Saturday. So, hey, Reggie Powers is on board. That's something. But, yeah, arguably the most circumstantially forgettable commitment that I have ever witnessed. But we will remember, I think, that he committed during a loss. Oh, yeah, we like, will. Like, in the moment, you're right. Like, I didn't – I think I didn't see it until the postgame show was going on. Like, uh, oh, yeah, Reggie Powers was supposed to make a decision today. Oh, he did at 3.06, the, uh, the, the edit drop there. And maybe it – and, like, nothing against Reggie Powers. I just think the way that game was going and, and how the game ended, it probably wouldn't have mattered all too much who did commit during that time because everyone was so PO'd about what was going on on the field. But as we read some quotes now, sounded like Reggie Powers committed uh, during that or after the UCF game yep. during the weekend, came in on his own dime and committed uh, this, uh, last weekend, last last home game weekend. So he seems excited and Brent Venables uh, – Defensive DNA sounds like played a pretty big role in this one. E Freaky says he's going to decommit because of the loss, right? <laughs> commits and then decommits two hours later. Gosh, I, and I knew I was going to get the question, but it fi- it took till Sunday morning for someone to be like, "How does how is this loss going to affect recruiting?" Oh, we, we Gunny already texted us and he says, "Good afternoon, fellas. How does Jet Levy affect uh, recruiting?" So people are calling Jeff Levy. Jet Levy now because oh of the jet sweep. That might be a tough moniker to shake. Boy, he, um, I, I, I mean, it's is his offense, I guess, so he can call what he wants. But if he calls another jet sweep this year, he better make sure he better know a hundred percent sure it's going to go about fifty or seventy yards for a touchdown. Because if the jet sweep is ran again, especially in a home game, there might be a beer bottle shower. Oh my gosh, it'll be bad. So that's where we're at on the Monday after the loss. It's no longer Jeff Lebby on the text line. It is Jet Jet Lebby currently. Uh, anything else? I, I, we're, we're mostly going to talk about the game on Saturday. We'll get you an EPL, Grant Bricks update. we got to look at KREF Recruiter of the Month. So we'll talk recruiting, but come on, OU loses its first game of the year. we got to talk about it. Um, Reggie Powers, he is a safety that is not afraid to get down and dirty in the run game. What what's what's good about this get for the uh for the four-star safety? Yeah, just a real versatile, hard-hitting box defender, a guy that I think projects very nicely to the cheetah spot for Oklahoma and that's kind of the design right now for Powers is that he's going to be one of those more athletic, more more defensive back type cheetah than linebacker type cheetah uh, in Oklahoma's defensive scheme. 
really, really has seen his stock rise over the last few months on the recruiting trail. Senior film has been good so far. This is a huge defensive back class for Oklahoma yeah. at this point, and it's full of dogs. Full of blue chips, too. None of these guys are three-star football players. At least one recruiting service, and I think in most cases multiple, have these have all seven of those guys ranked as four-star prospects. Yeah, and it was Rivals had a write-up with him, um, and it was essentially he's going to elevate to four-star yep. status by the time it's all said and done and could end up being one of the real sleepers in this OU recruiting class. And I, and I think I agree with that because the fits for what he can be in a Brent Venables defense – with everything that he brings to the table, um, you you should be um, you should be excited about that. Four oh five, okay. Four oh five, six five one thirty four thirty nine. Hit us up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Four oh five. This is the question that we're starting to get every single show now, which is fine. But from the four oh five, are we recruiting any kickers? Yes. You have Liam Evans from Moore High School committed right now, and he is uh, highly thought of in the kicking world in this twenty twenty four class. He hasn't missed a kick as a senior. He has multiple made field goals of beyond 50 yards. So, uh, yeah, that kid's good. He happens to be from right up the road in Moore, America. So the Sooners are fortunate to get a guy via the PWO route that is going to be, I think, a four-year answer at that position for OU because I was about to the point, Tyler, where – I was about to initiate the conversation about Oklahoma needing to dish out scholarships to specialists because with as bad as special teams has been the last few weeks, and for instance, you look at Tristan Alvano up at the University of Nebraska, who's their starting place kicker as a true freshman and just hit a 55-yarder on Saturday. That was a guy that if he'd had a scholarship to the University of Oklahoma, I can tell you with 100% certainty he would have been a Sooner. OU offered him a PWO. Nebraska offered him a scholarship. He went to Nebraska. And one of those programs has kicker issues right now. It's not Nebraska. Well, and so much so that you don't even trust your kicker in the first quarter of that game. Straight up. Uh, What was it? Was it a fourth and three, fourth and four? Whatever it was, they go for it. And you you don't even get close to to picking that one up. You try to go through the air and – Gabriel got hit as soon as he threw it. But, yeah, I mean, I mean that's a – and I know the wind was crazy that game. I wasn't there, but it sounded like the wind was crazy. That was a very makeable kick that you could have trotted your kicker out for. They didn't even trust him in that spot. So, special teams overall just not not really in a great spot not right special. now. And you had another shank of a punt during the game as well. Um, Marcus just, Stripling. Yeah, Marcus Stripling there. The punt right before Kansas' last possession. Just It's just um, it, it's hard to find anything that was good from Saturday, isn't it? Now, I'll tell you what the storyline should have been. Ethan Downs should have been one of the heroes in the postgame. He should right? have been the I mean, hero. that was a hell of a play that he made to come up with the interception, just get a first down, and we're singing the praises of Ethan Downs playing three consecutive high-quality football games. But unfortunately... We're getting Jet Levy text on the uh, text line instead. Uh, 918, don't care when Reggie Powers decided to commit. Just glad he committed to our team. Big Rich and OKC, jet sweeps don't work when you never throw the ball downfield. That's another complaint of mine, man. And not just from Saturday, but let's go back to, geez, the past three games. Why isn't this offense throwing it down the field anymore? I don't know. Because you, you would think, I sure think, that's one of their strengths. Is having a group of athletes. I've said that all year long. It's been one that of their can strengths. make contested catches down the field. 
I would like to see things open up for Dylan Gabriel in the downfield pass game more. And Jeff Lebby just seems unwilling, or at least he was on Saturday. And to a certain extent, he was against UCF as well. Nick Anderson got open a couple times, and it, you just you had to throw the guy the ball because there was nobody in his vicinity. But the Sooners haven't taken shots down the field the last two weeks. KW918 says, running a jet sweep at a home game will overtake kicking for chicken <laughs> as the most hated moment while watching <laughs> it. I mean, it'll be some booze, man. It'll be, especially if it goes nowhere like it's been recently. Ugh. It's, uh, it's the fan base's least favorite play right now is what it, was what it sounds like to me. The jet sweep. And, and this goes back, like, this fan base has had bad memories with the jet sweep before, going back to the Rose Bowl against Georgia. So it's not the first time that play has burned you, but it is not, not very popular right now. Not very popular at all. Jay from Medill wants to know if Reggie Powers can travel and suit up for Saturday. They need someone to stop Ollie Gordon. I mean, that guy is, he, he's on a tear right now. Is, is there a better running back in college football no, at this point than Ollie Gordon? There absolutely is not, Tyler. And if Danny Stutzman doesn't play, it's going to be oh tough. Boy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, there better be eight men in the box on every snap. Uh, South Dakota Sooner went to the game, sat in the rain and wind, and saw the same play calling I saw in a high school game Friday. Even my fifth grade team doesn't run the jet sweep. So you're scrolling up and down the text line like I am right now. What would you say uh, about 80% of our text have the words jet and sweep in them currently? Jet sweep, Jeff Levy, Jet Levy, some combination of those two. The recruiting doomer says, sure wish Levy would have taken the Bama job now. Mm. Yeah, it's... uh... Not, not a, it was not a good day for that guy. And not just the third and three, the jet sweeps, even the third and two earlier in the game. I know that wasn't great execution by Dylan Gabriel or even Jalil Farouk, but come on, let, let's go north and south. R- run it north and south more. And when they were Parker and Tawie Walker was in the game, Tawie Walker looked like the best player on the field for OU when he was in and they were just running north and south. Just the simplest of the game plan was the best part of your team on Saturday. Howie Walker's did a freaking it. dog, man. Well, and he's like, your best running back. So let's, I mean, I, and, and I don't know how many capable running backs you have outside of him at this point, but he's, he's your best running back when healthy. Yeah, I think Saturday, again, made it pretty clear. What has Brennan Thompson got to do to get more running? I don't know, man, but he had, I mean, the biggest catch down the field. I mean, they finally throw it down the field, and he makes a play, and he at least gives you a chance to go and win. Um, and I saw your story today on OU Insider, five uh, guys who need to see more snaps. I can't disagree with anyone. And I don't know if you put this in order of like uh, relevance, like out of the five, if you listed at one, who needs to get more of an effort to see the field. Peyton Bowen was number one. That's some, some injury issues right now. Yeah. But Brennan Thompson was number two, man, and I can't, I can't disagree with that right now. This offense clearly misses Andrew Anthony. And I don't think that you can just necessarily throw Brennan Thompson out there and he's going to necessarily replace all that production. But he gives you something right now that none of your other wide receivers do. And it's elite speed down the field. you got to take advantage of that at some point, right? You have to. And, again, it it goes back to making plays down the field. We have to see this Sooner offense be able to complete passes for chunk gains beyond the line of scrimmage and Dylan Gabriel attempted two passes in excess of 10 aerial yards up until the final drive Saturday you have to be more aggressive than that you cannot play you I guess a defense that's been poor at a, a lot this year and in again, Kansas what was our big critique of mule shoe back in the day 
felt like a lot of the time he was coaching not to lose rather than coaching to win. And I sensed a lot of the same stuff yep. with the way that Jeff Levy managed that game Saturday. By the way, before we hit a break here, we'll get to uh, Bricks and EPL and some more Cruton stuff on the other side. But Brian Bosworth is going after Mike Gundy on yeah, our uh, Twitter page right now. You guys uh, played the audio earlier of, you know, Mike Gundy said, well, Bedlam's not, you know, it's not a rivalry like it was back in the day before social media. Everyone's soft now, and everyone likes to shake hands and hug each other after the game. Back in the day, Boz would spit in my face, and I would spit in his. That was essentially the audio clip. Mike Gundy kind of downplaying the rivalry now compared to what it was back in the 80s. Brian Bosworth says, guess what, Coach G? Bedlam is still a rivalry, and Big Brother still wants to whip Little Brother's ass. How about we meet this Saturday at your place? Let's say the 50-yard line so we can exchange pleasantries the old-fashioned way, face-to-face. I'll see you there. Booma. (laughs) Hello. I got 44 in that matchup. How about you? Uh, Anyone else? Yeah, I'm with Boz on that one. Beautiful. It's starting early this week. Love it. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More Cruton, yes, more OU Kansas reaction as well, right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and you, The Ref Army as well, listening nationwide via the free KREF app. Loganville, Georgia is tuned in today. Redmond, Washington. San Francisco, California, Georgetown, Texas, Orange Beach, Alabama, Portland, Maine, Small Town of the Day, Hugo, Oklahoma, I believe making its first appearance on the Small Town of the Day. Ref Army Locators brought to you by Affordable Door Company. They do residential garage doors, commercial garage doors, service and repair garage doors, opener as well. Affordable Door Company, the official garage door company of the Oklahoma Sooners and the Ref. Give them a call today, 405 405- 635-9499. That's 405-635-9499. So many texts rolling through. We can't keep up with all of them. We'll try our best. I promise you. Keep those coming. Uh, but first, let's get to a little recruiting intel. Sounds like uh, the Nebraska side is feeling a little bit more confident after Grant Bricks visits Lincoln over the weekend. Yeah, I, I, look, that's not all, all too shocking that they're feeling more confident. But... Grant Bricks is going to be back in Norman for the November 11th game against West Virginia. Could be a big visit weekend for OU. It could be a big visit weekend. Could be a very big visit weekend. But Oklahoma's going to get their shot, and this is one of those recruitments where it feels like getting the last impression on a kid could be not decisive, but could go a long way in toward, uh, or towards helping you lock up the kid's commitment. Now, he is tentatively scheduled to take a visit to Kansas State on November 25th as well. I was up there in Iowa this past Friday to talk to Bricks. He admitted to me, look, I'm planning on taking that visit. It may not happen. So, Depending on what happens over the course of the next couple of weeks? That pretty much tells you yeah. what you need to know, which is it's primarily an OU-Nebraska battle. Mm-hmm. Nebraska obviously has the proximity, but Oklahoma's going to get their final shot. Make no mistake, I know this for a fact, the staff and the commits are going to roll out the red carpet for him, make every effort to make him feel at home on the 11th. And I would figure that a decision doesn't come too long after that visit because it was interesting. He told told me straight up, he said, look, I thought I could make this call without doing game day visits. 
I was wrong. I wish I'd have just taken them at the beginning of the season so I could already have this figured out. But I don't want to wait too much longer. I'm going to do my game day visits, and I'll figure it out after that. So it, like, I'm guessing he didn't give you an exact date as to when the no. decision's going to be, but it, it's almost, it almost feels like, all right, we don't have a date for him, but it's starting to feel like late November could be the time period that we hear from Grant Bricks in, in about a month's time, maybe a little before, like, Good with that as of right now. I think so. There's depends on if that can't now if that Kansas State visit happens, then could be talking about into the month of December potentially. But if if the OU visit goes well, why wouldn't it? Right. Um, it feels like late November could be the new timeline right now. I think mid November could be the timeline. Yeah. Uh, it, it's all going to depend on how strong the returns are coming out out of that OU visit. So it is pivotal that OU a wins that game and b that the people at Oklahoma make him feel at home because I don't think it's out of the question. And he himself told me, he said, look, I just, I'm waiting for the moment that I realize, okay. And these are his exact words. He said, I want to feel like, man, I'm ready to go hit somebody in the mouth for this team and this program. And so if Oklahoma can get him feeling like that on November 11th, shoot. That decision should happen. Pretty well, quick. we talk about momentum a lot, and like I, I don't know if you've lost all of your momentum. I don't think that you've lost all of your momentum as a program or on the recruiting trail. But this game on Saturday goes a long way in terms of uh, keeping that momentum, doesn't it? Because if you win on Saturday, it's all right. They did not respond well after the Texas game, but you beat Oklahoma State. You've got three games left, in which you're going to be favored. Okay, you can kind of refocus a little bit. Now you've got a real chance to get back to where you want to be as a football team. But if you lose Saturday, like not not even a Big Twelve championship game, all of a sudden is a gimme, and you're up against it. With like this sat this game on Saturday is just massive for many reasons, man. Even recruiting mo- momentum at this point. Are you ready for an inconvenient truth, Tyler? Yeah, I guess Nebraska's five and three and has I, a very viable I path know. to the Big Ten championship. I game. Uh, I saw Matt Rule's post game where he was running off the field and some Nebraska fan yelled, "Just one more, coach! Just one more win!" And he said in the post game, "I don't want to win just one more game. I want to win all the games." But you're right, Nebraska's. They had their first three-game winning streak in like five or, or like six years. Or they currently have their first three-game win streak in a while. Um, EPL, Eddie Pierre-Louis, just, just continue to go back and forth, back and forth. Seen it go back and forth a few times now. I don't know what to think anymore. Did he make it? Man. He made like, it to the UCF game this weekend, I'm guessing? Here's what I will say. I think it is as simple as this. If he is in Norman on November 11th, he's a Sooner. If he is not in Norman on November 11th, he is a UCF Knight. Yeah, that's probably a pretty good, pretty good way to go about it there. So November going to be – we thought October was going to be the big month for offensive line commits and not – I mean, there, there were some things that happened. But November is now the, the big month, it seems like, for the offensive line for, for those two guys. Did see a lot of Lincoln Cure, 2025 tight end out of Goodland, Kansas. Um, essentially, he mossed two defenders on Friday night – Took it to the end zone. Lincoln Cure really popped up on everyone's radars about a week ago, and he's going to be very, very, very much talked about here moving forward. I think a lot of people who have seen his tape say, oh my gosh, this guy's incredible, and he looked awesome again on Friday. So, will not be the last time you hear us talk about Lincoln Cure. No, but oh, you probably didn't do themselves any favors in the first impressions department because sure. he was at that Kansas-Oklahoma game on Saturday. So, ugh. 
Not quite the uh, the first look at your program you wanted that kid to have. Blue says, why would anyone want to play for Lebby's B.A.? Um, so that's <laughs> – and not badass there, uh, the other one. Uh, Sarks Vodka says, imagine Dallas Turner watching film of Gavin Freeman. He also adds, what a joke, fellas. 615, we have to hit the portal hard again on both lines of scrimmage, just not good enough. You, re- you really, at this point – if, if Guyton's going to leave at the end of this year, and I saw a mock last week that had him in the first round. Yeah. If he's a first-round first round selection, he's out. But this offensive line class that you had last year that I think has some promise, definitely Caden Green does, kind of really look toward to that class to have a big impact on the offensive line next year, at least you hope. You might lose Andrew Rain. You might. But if you don't, well, I should say, if you do, you have to replace four starters. If you don't, you only have to replace three. Either way, you're looking at a lot of turnover next year because Guyton's gone at this point. Yeah, he's gone, gone. Walter Rouse is gone. McCade Mattire is gone. Rain might be. So your only incumbent starter at that point would be Caden Green at left guard. Yep. So you're going to have some stuff to figure out. Colin KC, how about this? Here, here's a take right here. Tell me how you feel about this. Colin KC says the OSU game is the most important of the Brent Venables era so far. We cannot let this snowball like we did last season. Is this Saturday the most important game of the Brent Venables era? The Texas game a few weeks ago is pretty uh, big, but this is up there for sure. I don't, I don't hate that take. It feels like it's at least second for me right now for the reasons that Cole listed. Yeah, just kind of keeping this together, keeping your momentum. Like it's, I don't, I don't know if I want to go as far to say that Saturday is the season, but in some ways, it kind of does feel like Saturday's the the season here. What do you got? How do you respond? Can you come back with one of your better games of the year? Because this team has not responded well since that Texas game, man. They have not played well at all. You ready for me to ask the question that nobody wants to hear? How good are they? No. Are you rooting for Muleshoe this weekend? No. What? Huh? Why would I root for Muleshoe this weekend against Washington? Because you know what a Washington Mm -hmm. loss would do? It would certainly help OU in the playoff picture. Yeah. I uh, No is always the answer to, okay, to that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, just, I, just, fig- I figured that was just, the answer. Just always know that uh, no is going to be the uh, the answer to that. Big Rich in OKC says Jacob Sexton played a bunch. How would you feel about the way Jake Sexton played? Yeah, look, I, I love what Big Sexy brings to the table. And he was crushing dudes in the run-blocking game Saturday. And I think the reason he – the reason he was in that game is because he's a better run blocker than Walter Rouse, and the Sooners at that point were just trying to run it down Kansas's throat. So, yeah, he is your starting left tackle next year. I don't think there is any question about that if he is fully healthy, and I love his long-term potential, what he can be at Oklahoma. So that – if you're talking about who's going to step into the shoes of a departing starter next year, there is not a more obvious answer than – Jacob Sexton at left tackle. Brad and Bartlesville, I simply don't want Oklahoma State to have one up on us forever. Yeah, Mike Gundy said today that uh, he thinks the next Bedlam game will be in a bowl game between the two teams. He does not see any time in the future where OU and Oklahoma State play a non-conference game. And I I think that they will play again in a non-conference game at some point. I don't think it's necessarily going to be in the next five years, but... Mike Gundy pretty much putting out that, uh, yeah, there's no immediate plans for the two teams to play. It'll happen in a bowl game. We were standing around the studio earlier, and Steely was like, I can't handle an Oklahoma loss this weekend. This might be the last bedlam of my lifetime. 
Well, I think it Can't is. let Oklahoma State go out on top. I was like, okay, well, I mean, slightly morbid way to look at things, but yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, just for so much to keep the momentum going, to keep your playoff and Big Twelve title hopes alive. But yeah, man, more than anything, it's the last bedlam for a while, and you don't want to you don't want to let those guys have scoreboard on you, you know. But the two feelings coming in this game by the two fan bases seem pretty different for the most part. Oklahoma State fan base, and this has gotten them in trouble before going into this game. They are a confident bunch on this Monday going into Saturday. They feel real good about their chances to beat OU in Stillwater. Which is wild, isn't it? Because I know I left that program for dead after South Alabama. Oh, who, who, yeah. Of course. And, then, and, and, and if not then, the next week after the Iowa State game, when it didn't look like Iowa State was any good either. If you want to trace Oklahoma State's resurgence back to a single juncture, it was the juncture at which Mike Gundy finally decided, huh, maybe we ought to try giving Ollie Gordon the ball. Yeah, he looks like one of the best players in the country now. Brent from Jink says, 10 freaking yards. We couldn't get 10 yards against Kansas. Embarrassing. Yeah, bad drive. Um, can't pick up a first down. We don't need to relive it. We know what happens after that. And look, we've gotten – we had over 100 texts in the first segment – I'll check this next break. We're probably getting close to 200 texts so far this hour. And I would say 75% of those are on Jeff Levy and the offense. And there there definitely needs to be blame on Jeff Levy and the offense. The bad part, Parker, is it wasn't just the offense that lost you this game, man. No. The special teams lost you this game. The defense gave up too many big plays. They got the three turnovers, and they got the two turnovers late to put the offense in a spot to close this game out. But all three phases were bad, man. All three phases. And that's – it's very worrisome that they just played their worst game of the year at this point in the season. That's, that's what's worrisome. How the narrative changes. A listener in the 918 says, Parker, come on, man. This team is not sniffing the playoffs. With the current coaching staff's glaring deficiencies, nine wins would be borderline miraculous. Uh, nine wins would I don't think would be borderline miraculous. No, at this po- again, Oklahoma will have to try. They will have to play very poorly, worse than they played against Kansas, to lose to West Virginia, to BYU, or to TCU. Bedlam is obviously the stiffest test you face the rest of the way. But to say this team isn't sniffing the playoffs, do they end up in the playoff field? Shoot, I don't know right now. But (laughs) they've got a very viable chance, and it's all still out there in front of them. This is still the same team that beat Texas – the Texas team that went to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama earlier this year. So, I am not leaving these Oklahoma Sooners for dead. I think that would be irresponsible. Jeff from OKC says, this is not just any bedlam, it's the bedlam. We have won the battles 91, and now it is time to win the war. 91 19 Let's go get 92. Boomer Sooner. Uh, from the 615. True national title contenders have enough manpower up front that they can overcome bad coaching and turnovers against Kansas. We're just not there yet. Been holding out hope for 23 years, but we'll have to wait at least one more. Yeah, look, regardless of whether Oklahoma goes to the playoff or not, I I don't see this as a national championship team. No. I think this is a team whose ceiling is a Big 12 title, and that's about it. Uh, This feels to me like a 2019 all over again, where if Oklahoma gets into the playoff field, uh, they get it handed to them because they're they're not ready to compete with Georgia and Michigan and Ohio State yet. Not the tackling that I saw on uh, on, on Saturday. That team just, just they just came out and they didn't look like they were ready to play. 
That, that more missed tackles in that game than it feels like I've seen the entirety of the regular season up to that point. It was rough, man. It was like, where did that come from? I mean, like Canick misses a tackle, and it looked like they pulled him right after that and threw in Kobe McKenzie in the game. Just was not was not good. No other way to say it. 405-651-3439. A lot of text to get to, still more crouton to get to, and yes, more post-game reaction as well. Right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Biggest story in college football recruiting today, five-star Elijah Rushing committed to Oregon earlier today. A former Arizona commits, now going to Dan Lanning and the Ducks. Biggest story in college football today, oh, this just broke, um, and not all that surprising. Brian Ferentz won't be back as offensive coordinator at Iowa next year. Who could have seen that one coming? Honestly, I didn't see it coming. Mm. I thought he had job security as long as he wanted it. As I thought Kirk was, was going to go down with the ship. <laughs> I thought Kirk was going to get fired before Brian would. Boy, uh, the, there's a mess in the standings in the Big Ten West once again Ugh. this year. Oh, boy. Uh, Marcus James, Carl Albert product, will commit this week on November 2nd. Uh, signs still pointing towards OU there. They are. Alex Shield Knight, another in-state for 2025, is going to announce on November 10th. Again, signs continue to point towards OU there in the 2025 class. Easton Ware, offensive lineman committing on Wednesday at 6.15. That still looks like Clemson, it correct? Does. I expect it to be Clemson. Yeah. Uh, Terry Bussey, there was a write-up about him, and A&M is really going to roll out the red carpet for him and make him feel like he's the highest priority target in this class, but Oklahoma, LSU still really pushing. Um, is Terry Bussey just – is Terry Bussey, Kobe Black, wh- whatever those two situations are – it almost feels like whoever shows up for the West Virginia game on a visit, officially, unofficially, you got then, a then let's start. Yeah, right? Like, let's start talking about them. Yeah. That goes for Bricks. That goes for Eddie Pierre-Louis. That goes for Terry Bussey. That goes for Kobe Black. Like, whatever the rest of your board looks like, you'll find out uh, a week from Saturday when OU plays West Virginia. That's going to be your last substantial visit weekend of the year because – Ain't many dudes going to be showing up to watch a Black Friday home game versus TCU no, at 11 a.m. No, no, no. Terrible kickoff those, time for Cruton. All those guys are going to be sitting on the couch with a tryptophan hangover. Yeah, they won't be the only ones. I either. know I would be if I didn't have a game to cover that day. Sheesh. Big Rich and OKC. Brennan Thompson could get multiple long throws a game. Same with Petaway, Anderson, and Gibson. We suck running. Throw the ball and please never throw a two-yard out route. Um, I think for the most part this year, they've had a tough time running the ball. But again, when Tommy Walker was in the game and they just ran the ball up the middle, I thought they ran the ball well at times on Saturday. I was just mad that they didn't do it more at times, especially in short yardage spots. But if you want to say, like, let's look at the entire picture, yeah, that's, that's fair. But it's just very disappointing, Parker, when OU forces three takeaways. They run for 269 yards and they lose the game. You tell me on Friday that OU forces three takeaways and they run for almost 270 yards, then I'm like, oh, wow, this could be one of their better games of the year up to this point. They still lost. That's how bad What the, is the bad Oklahoma's was. offensive identity right now? I, I have that written down in the rundown sheet. Someone texted that in during the postgame show. Someone just texted it now. I don't know, man. It's really kind of a game-to-game. If you want to use the word cute, they get way too cute at times. I, I don't know. I thought it was throw a lot of deep balls and keep the defense on their heels quite a bit, but they're not even they're not even throwing deep balls anymore. I this is I don't know how hot of a take this will be. 
I'll say it, though. This time last year, I had less concerns about OU's offense than I do right now. Amidst all of the crap that happened in the 2022 season, I at least could get on board with the offensive philosophy, which was, hey, we're going to let Dylan Gabriel take shots down the field, and we're going to pound the rock with Eric Gray. Eric Gray rushed for over 1,300 yards. Dylan Gabriel was victimized by some tough drops. He didn't always hit the deep ball, but when he did, it was it was exciting. Now, it, it wasn't terribly consistent, but it was exciting. The Sooners' offense this season, and especially over the last few games, hasn't been terribly consistent, but it hasn't been exciting either. Yeah, and that's why I don't love when – if you're if you complain about the offense, some will throw back. Well, here's where they're ranked nationally. Here's their points per game. Well, yeah, but that really doesn't describe the situation right now. Just because just because they scored 73 points against Arkansas State and yeah. their numbers look good, that doesn't mean that they're a good offense right now. And they're not a good offense right no, now, and Parker. Look, I, like they go long lulls, going three and outs and not scoring points. It's 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 a problem, man. And I don't think Jeff Levy is bad at his job. I think we've seen enough of Jeff Levy, not just at OU, but at UCF and Ole Miss, to conclude, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Uh, he's got enough of a pedigree that he's not an imposter. But that's what makes it all the more head-scratching because you sit there and you wonder, okay, knowing what we know about Jeff Levy, the coaching tree that he comes from, and his resume as a play caller – what in the world is going on right now? It doesn't make any sense, man. It just doesn't make any sense. Brad in Bartlesville says, man, I miss Eric Gray. 405, more of the uh, they need to quit running. The Gavin Freeman jet sweep, he's just too small. And look, I, we, we've gotten a lot of that today. We will continue to get a lot of that today. But it's true. Like, Gavin Freeman is a, a nice player. I mean, he's a good punt returner. I, I, I like Gavin Freeman, but... They need to stop running him on the jet sweeps. It's not working, especially at critical points in the game in situations like a third and three. When you're running the ball, just fine up the middle. Just, just stop trying to do it. If you want to use Gavin Freeman, use him in other ways, uh-huh. whatever. Just just stop. Stop trying. Stop trying on the jet sweep. In general, not working. attacking the perimeter at the line of scrimmage has not worked. That is not working. That entire concept which is a cornerstone of this Oklahoma offense, or at least it has been these last few games, it's just not paying off. You're not seeing returns. Slim Brady wants to know, what went right with Shield Knight? I thought it was going to be a battle with Arkansas. Well, again, this goes back to perspective, folks, because as negative as everybody is about Oklahoma football right now and as concerned as everybody is about the loss to Kansas, OU is 7-1 and one right now. Arkansas is two and six. Yeah. So I did. What what, what <laughs> went right with Alex Shield night? OU won games, and Arkansas didn't. Jimmy Casper says, "What has Jeff Lebby ever won with his offense?" I'll answer that for Chris. Nothing says Jim and Casper. Big Rich and OKC. Kennedy Brooks, where are you? Jim and Arlington. Tyler, I thought Lebby's offenses were groomed from the highly once productive Art Bryles Baylor offenses. I don't get what we are seeing right now. Uh, Drew from Flower Mound, Jimbo Fisher did say the goal is to get bowl eligible. Now, did he? Did Jimbo say that after the win against South Carolina? Good for him. Uh, Tulsa Boomer says stop using a wide receiver as a running back. People are tired of uh, Jalil Farouk carrying, or getting uh, ran up the middle with this offense, and I, I, I get that. So to answer your question, what's the identity of this offense? I don't know, man. 
you know what I would want what I want the identity of this offense to be is run the ball up the middle with Tawi Walker and take chances down the field with one on ones because you've got good wide receivers out there. Now, someone texted in, it's clear that OU misses Andrew Anthony, and I totally agree with that. But I still think that they are capable with Nick Anderson, Drake Stoops, uh, Brennan Thompson, and some of the other players that they have. Yeah, without question. And Justin in Newcastle says, if you're going to run the jet sweep, then why not run it with Brennan Thompson? I Shoot, I don't know. If you're going to run a jet sweep, that's the guy you probably want to be running it with. Uh, and a 615 listener, that's out in Tennessee, says, I think Taylor Tatum will see the field quickly watching him on tape. We don't have a guy like that. And Boy, that's, running that's back money. conversation going into next year is going to be fascinating, isn't it? I, I like, do, th- And I do think Taylor Tatum is going to have a very real chance at seeing a lot of early points. Who's time. still around? Who's got a chance? I mean, you got two freshmen that we haven't seen all that much this year. They're going to have a chance. Yeah, that's fascinating conversations will be had uh, heading into the offseason because Barnes and Sawchuck have had their opportunities, but nothing's happened with those opportunities really at any point this year. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More text, more reaction right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. That's Dorsey Jones, Buick, GMC, in El Reno, where they sell some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. That's right, Buick and GMC, Dorsey Jones, Buick, GMC, in El Reno. Who are we talking about this week in terms of uh, on the injured list? Guys we need to watch out for to see if they're available on Saturday. <laughs> well, Gentry Williams, of course. Yeah, let's start with the two most obvious, Gentry Williams and Danny Stutzman. Yep. Because whatever replacement you might have in those guys' stead on Saturday is inevitably going to be a far inferior option. And that's no knock on any individual. That's just the reality of it. Gentry Williams and Danny Stutzman have been two of your top performers, not just on the defense, but on the entire team thus far this season. Marcus Major, did he even make the trip to, to Lawrence? He wasn't out he there warming up before the game. Or Mason Thomas, um, we'll see about his status. Justin Harrington, of course, out for the year. Andrew Anthony, of course, out for the year. Uh, but you're right, it's, it's mostly about Gentry Williams, and it's mostly about Danny Stutzman. And if you have both of those guys back, then... You probably feel better about things going into this weekend. If you're without just one or both of those guys, then yeah, because Gentry's a really nice corner, a really nice corner, and the drop-off that you see after that, I mean, it's it's pretty noticeable if Gentry Williams isn't out there. Not only is just a cover guy, but the way that he um, way that he plays the run as well. Having Gentry Williams out there, very critical, just like it is with Danny Stutzman. I mean, Kanai Walker got exposed on Saturday. And it does make you wonder, is it as simple as OU has a healthy Gentry Williams, OU wins that football game? Because the one that got burned on the fourth down conversion that led to Kansas' game-winning touchdown was Kenai Walker. Well, but you need all hands on deck, too. When we're talking about a guy like Ollie Gordon, who's just great vision, great – I mean, he's just great everything as a running back. You're going to need everyone to be able to tackle, man, and that includes Gentry Williams over there at corner. And he's 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 a really he tackles really well for a corner, that's for sure. And a guy like Ollie Gordon, you're you cannot have the same effort tackling the ball carrier like you did last week because it was bad on Saturday, buddy. It can get worse if Zero's out there running around. Allen Bowman has to be the one that beats Oklahoma on Saturday. We got to get pressure just, on him too. Yeah, you you can't let Ollie Gordon beat you. I, I I need to see the Sooners stack the box. I need to see the Sooners sell out to stop the run. I need to see the Sooners 
make Alan Bowman be the one to hurt them offensively. Because what's inexcusable is if you roll into Stillwater and just let Ollie Gordon run for another 250. Because Oklahoma State has shown you the last few weeks what their game plan is in an ideal sense. It's hand the ball to Ollie Gordon and let him do his thing. Yeah. Uh, In case you missed it, we led today with the fact that uh, OU got the quietest commits of the 2024 class. Reggie Powers committed on Saturday, and the edit dropped at 3.06 p.m., right in the middle of uh, all the madness that was going on in Lawrence. So a 6'1", 200-pound safety from Dayton, Ohio, former Michigan State commits, committed on Saturday. Well, he committed on Saturday, but it sounds like he told the OU staff Last Saturday or Sunday. So he's, the staff's known about this for six or seven days. It was just released on Saturday, correct? Yeah, he was going to commit earlier, too, and decided to push it back for a number of reasons. Ended up dropping Saturday afternoon. And it, the thing is, absent that lightning de- delay, it would have been after the game. So you should have dropped least... it during the lightning delay. Every, like, Twitter was going oh, crazy so true, during man. that time frame, man. It was going nuts. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. In the end, he is committed. He is the 27th scholarship commit of the 2024 cycle for Oklahoma and gives you seven blue-chip defensive backs to toy with. Not all momentum is lost, is it, on the recruiting front? Because I think what happens on the field absolutely impacts recruiting momentum. Sure. Just this Saturday is going to play a big role in that that word that we use so much. I, the way I look at it is, look, how much can it realistically affect your recruiting right now? You've already got 27 commits in the 24 cycle, and you're already off to a real hot start that's only getting hotter in the 2025 class. So you've afforded yourself a measure of insulation from all of it. And we'll see who shows up uh, a week from Saturday, which, by the way, that kickoff is on a six-day hold. So I'm sure the staff is hoping that that's not an 11 a.m. kick. When you're hoping guys like Eddie Pierre-Louis and Grant Bricks and some others make it into town, hoping for a non-11 a.m. game against West Virginia a week from Saturday. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.